self-care and making the most of your moments and all that good stuff um me i'm just again like i talked about last episode i'm just trying to keep some forward momentum um playing a lot of disc golf getting back in the riding habits um trying to uh lose some weight all those good things uh but yeah so today's episode is with stephen murray who's the journalist up at the Elwood Call Leader, um, and someone that I've seen in passing for a while now, but I'm just now starting to get to know, and um, so it's really great to have the opportunity to sit down and learn more about Stephen's journey, and then, uh, and learn more about his ideology as um, a journalist, uh, yeah, and as a self-proclaimed uh, political junkie. So we had some, so yeah, this is a Really great conversation between two small town uh, Hoosier uh, liberals, um, and yeah, and I I'm just yeah this is one of my favorite episodes honestly uh, because it was full of so much surprise um, and yeah I I feel like I learned a lot about Stephen and I learned a lot about being a person in a place like this and I learned. A little more about myself uh, and my own kind of alignments, so which I think is the goal of this. So hopefully y'all enjoy it. Hopefully y'all learn something. And thanks to Stephen for being here. Um, without further ado, here's my conversation with Stephen Murray. Um. <laughs> But yeah, how was work today? It was just busy? Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those days where it start like, stuff's already happening before I even wake up. Yeah. And uh, normally, that's a sign that things are going to be pretty hectic. Yeah. So yeah, you mentioned the Gypsy Soul thing. Yeah, there was a fire yeah. downtown. Um, they're working to move into a new building. And yeah. And I believe the Redevelopment Commission had owned the building and 
you know, it was one of the ones that they saved rather than knocking down uh -huh. since they've already it's knocked like down so many. It's kind of next door to where they were, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, like literally right the across the alley, yeah. By the chamber. Yeah. But, and, yeah, so there was a fire there. I was so, I was so disheartened for them because they'd been working so hard to move and get that place ready. Yeah. And then it was literally, because uh, someone I followed oh, was one of the hairstylists there, and she said, like, we were literally going to start the salon back up tomorrow and June 1st was going to be the shop. And it's like, mm -hmm. so, so that's, but it's, you know, it's another example too of the community rallying too. Cause I already saw oh, yeah. like, there's already like 3000 bucks. on. Oh a, yeah. It, it was pushing four. Uh, when four, I last four looked. Now? Yeah. No, yeah. It was like 3,800, something yeah. like that. So they'll, you know, so hopefully that helps ease some of the, and brain. one guy donated a thousand dollars. Yeah. It's like, I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, do you ever think about that? Like, if I were rich. Oh, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Because I was, I, I saw a video the other day of someone was like, when they were, they knew, they started sticking it like $20 bills in like diapers mm -hmm. and formula. Uh, because when they were, like, first had a kid, they were poor and didn't, didn't have a lot of money. So they, so, so they started doing that as like a thing. And I was like, dude, if I was rich, that's all I would do. <laughs> like, yeah. that would be my, I would make that my job where like, Anytime I saw anything like that. So I'm glad people that have that money are using our... Yeah, it's, they're, it's a really generous community, and it's like... It really is. Elwood's kind of in this awkward position where they're, like, not quite, like, what you think of when you think of a city, but it is a city. Yeah. You know, but it feels more like a small town. Like, I... I call it a small town oh yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah, um, the mayor loves to call it the city of Elwood. He, he drops yeah. the city word anytime they want, he can. They and, want it, and, and I think... To entice businesses mm -hmm. and to entice mm -hmm. new people to move here, you kind of need that. But I also like, you know, these little small towns are like all these little small towns around here that we're actually bigger than, like Frankton and Ellick. And you, did you grow up in? I grew Frankton? up in Frankton. I moved to Frankton when I was nine years old. I lived in uh, Newark, Ohio, um, until my mom passed away, and my dad was here. Uh, okay. He was actually in Alexandria. Um, he traveled to do construction, and he okay. had met my stepmother. And my parents were in the process of a divorce, and they both, you know, it was, for as uh, as bad as their relationship was at times, their divorce was pretty amicable. I think they were just done by that point. Yeah. So, you know, they both moved on, and um, when my when my mother passed away, we spent two weeks inside an apartment in Alexandria, two bedroom apartment, and it was me, my two siblings. And then my two new step siblings. Oh my goodness! And my stepmom was pregnant with with our uh, youngest half brother. So oh my goodness! So there were going to be six kids in a two bedroom apartment, and uh, my parents found a farmhouse right outside of Frankton, Beautiful. which is actually kind of an infamous structure now in the in the area. It's the one it that is? they created, like they attached a tower to it. It's like a, it's on Seven Hundred North, and it used to just look like a normal farmhouse. And now it looks like something out of like a Scooby Doo, like did villain. Did new people do it? Or your family? Oh no, no, did. new people did it. Okay, like it was featured in the Madison County Magazine. It was okay, like, yeah, they called I'll it have the to purple, look for it. They called it the Purple Haunted Mansion. Okay, which I mean, I never thought of it as a mansion growing up. But yeah, I guess it, I mean it was a six bedroom house. That's yeah, a what's big that house. like going? Well, two things. What's that like going from a two bedroom apartment to a six bedroom house? You know. 
I didn't really, I was nine, I didn't really mind the two-bedroom apartment. I mean, actually, we yeah. weren't even in a bedroom. We had mattresses on, like, what was supposed You'd to be the to. dining room floor. Yeah, to. yeah. You know, so I actually, in all that chaos, I didn't mind having all these people around me just because, I mean, the last thing you want to do when someone dies still, yes. regardless of how old you are, is to be alone. Because that's when it hits. Like, yeah. that's when you really have to face the facts yeah. that this person's not coming back and so, oh that's a real that's really insightful so i didn't i didn't have to worry about that for a few weeks you know yeah and i remember uh, throwing a, a big fit because i wanted my own bedroom and, and you got it i got it but then i didn't use it for like seven months because i was just horrified to be i mean it was an old house like yes I'm from the city at this point. Like, I've never yeah. been in the country. Yeah. Everything about it was weird and scary. Like. Yes. Um, well, I had a similar thing happen at my house. We lived in a house in town uh, for a long time, and there was a big old house. And my brother, my half-brother, who's 10 years older than me, had told me uh, that there were ghosts upstairs where mm-hmm. his, him and I's bedrooms were, or where our bedrooms were. And... Uh, so I actually slept in the hallway (laughs) and between the washing machine or the washer and dryer room and the kitchen. And there was enough room on one side of the hallway for a dresser and on the other side for a twin bed. And then there was the hallway and, and I slept like that. I think pretty much all the way until we moved out to the country when I was 10, when we moved out to, and it's funny how, uh, but that was the same way there. I was just like. I was, all I wanted was my own room, so excited, mm-hmm. and then that little thing ruined it, and I, <laughs> I, I ran for the hallway. Um, so, but yeah, so Stephen Murray, I'm so glad we could finally make this happen. I feel like we've been talking about this for six months. That's pretty accurate, I feel like. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a pretty flaky, to be honest. I, that's something <laughs> I'm working on with myself. You know, I'm trying to be one of those people that can say something and mean it. I do mean it when I say it, but then I get... No, I have an anxiety disorder, and it really, okay. really gets to me sometimes. Yeah, it can, you know, it, it's funny. I had a little bit before you got here. You know, just you're, of all the guests I've had, you're probably, like, in the top, in the bottom three of, like, the as well, like, how well do I know you? Uh-huh. You're, like, most of the people I've had on are people I've known a long mm-hmm. time or have known, um, like, cl- more closely. And so there's always that when the, when you're like having, and I'm sure you get that. Oh yeah. When as with what you do, uh, working for the call leader, where you're, um, where sometimes there are people you've worked with a million times, or like the mayor. I'm sure. Yeah, at this I, point, I have no problem point, going up to just, him and asking him what I need. But to you know, know, like that it. first time you mm-hmm. and I talked for my art show, you know, like, uh, it, it, it's funny how there's just there's an anxiety like. There's always going to be anxiety in that. It's just like, but depending on the mood, because like I was in, luckily I was in a good mood. My moods were balanced. So, uh, hmm. so I was like, I could handle that little bit of discomfort mm-hmm. that I was feeling. But if it wasn't, <laughs> you oh, would have, yeah. you would have yeah. gotten a call. You would have gotten a phone call. I'm like, Hey buddy, can yeah. we, can we, so I, I totally feel you. But, um, no, but to that point though, you, I feel like you were always really upfront about what was going on and like. And you'd say, like, let's try for Thursday, you know? And if you use that language, I have a lot of, like, I, I have a lot of sympathy for it anyways. But just, like, in general, I, I hope that people, when they hear people say, like, let's try, or, like, hey, it's not going to work out tonight. Like, 
it's all right. We'll move on. We'll make it, and it will happen, and mm-hmm. it is happening, and that's great. Because when that was when we were originally talking about, it, you were doing like No Shave November. <laughs> oh lord, yeah. Uh, which look, you got a little scruff going. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm done shaving. Like I'll trim it, but I'm yeah, done. So it kind of it kind of caught on you. <laughs> yeah, like, it did. It did. It got really itchy, and I actually ended up failing. Like I made it like three weeks, and then I was like, "Oh well." Well, if you're gonna keep year. doing it, if you're gonna keep doing it though, you need to get a good beard wash. Yeah, that's what everyone says. I'll show you the beard wash <laughs> I got. It's good. Um, it really helps. I do. I actually, this isn't a little embarrassing, but I get beard dandruff. Oh really? Um, it like I have trouble sometimes wearing black. T- I love black t-shirts, but I have trouble wearing them because it'll look like it freaking snowed on me, <laughs> and it it like. I think it's, yeah, it's just like, a, it's the same way with like with your scalp. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it gets rough. So that's why I have like a really good moisturizing beard wash. Yeah. yeah. That, um, yeah. But anyways, yeah. And it was, so we were dealing, so, and then of course we were like in the middle of COVID too, which I was like, that's kind of why I had this setup going out here in the garage where it's like two chairs spread out, you know, with lavalier mics. So we are not having to worry about that um and then my own mental health and then there was the election Mm -hmm. and i feel like that was part of the probably part of what was causing you extra stress yeah uh, yeah both personally and as a journalist (laughs) yeah i'm i'm really into politics like yeah i've been obsessed with politics you actually probably like yeah i'd say about 12 i found an interest in oh yeah you actually have political junkie on on your facebook account (laughs) 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 so i that's i knew that was true um, but so 12, huh? That's, that's yeah, I remember uh, getting I in even... trouble on the bus. I was arguing with someone, gosh, it was the 2000 election. Wait, 2004. No, yeah, it was Carrie, it was Gore and Bush. It was the election of Gore and Gore Bush. Gore and Bush. That was the 2000 election. And I was arguing with some kid who self identified as a conservative. I mean, we're at, as the, a age, 12 year old? We're at the age where we don't know what we are, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I just, I had a, he had his list of talking points. I had mine. And Did we you self identify as a liberal? Oh, yeah. I always have. Yeah. I always have. That didn't change. I, I realized from an early age, like, my worldview and kind of what shapes it. Yeah. Um, there are aspects now. Um, that are associated with liberalism that I don't necessarily care for. Like I'm not sure. a big fan of cancel culture and things of that no- yeah, nature. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I definitely, especially when it comes to comedians, nothing makes me angrier when a comedian <laughs> is canceled for saying something that was just a bad joke. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or was just a joke that was a lot of times the jokes that get canceled or get all the hoopla were actually um, mocking the side that, like the the more neg- like mm-hmm. maybe the more conservative side they were actually you know like like Bill Burr is one of my favorite comedians mm-hmm. and he'll say things that like he'll go he'll go both sides if he thinks it's interesting if he thinks and he'll go and he actually sees it more as a game you know it's like we never know exactly why people are doing like just because someone says like I don't know women are overrated which has come out of Bill Burr's <laughs> mouth right might have come out of mine at one point. <laughs> <laughs> But right in this culture right now, we're really sensitive about those mm-hmm. kind of things. And but just those words, women are overrated. Like, what is the context? What is the what is this a setup for? Exactly. What it what is he trying? And then because he, he does this amazing thing that you probably know is where he'll kind of purposely dig himself a hole, mm-hmm. and then he has to use logic and humor to get himself out. And that's 
different than if I was just like, you know what, Steven, I really think women are fucking overrated. That's that's totally different. That's totally yeah. different, and a lot of people don't take that into consideration. My big so problem I, is, uh, I think that the desired intent of cancel culture, for lack of a better term, and I don't really like the term either, but sure. um, I, no one asked me when they're coming up <laughs> with these, but it's that we want to have a culture of accountability, which you phrase it that way, and of course we want that. Yeah. But my problem is, is there's actually not much room for someone to rehab after they get in trouble. Yeah. You know, like no one wants to hear about the person who messed up and then succeeded. Yes. Which, what all, I mean, like, what incentive is there to succeed after you've done something wrong if you are going to be a pariah, like, for the rest yeah. of your life? But see, I actually want to see that. I'm mm-hmm. one of the people that, that do want to mm-hmm. see I wa- We love a good story, like a good redemption story, but I think it's just, it's new, where, like, we've been dealing with, you know, the last, since the civil rights movement, we've been dealing with, like, the ref- we've seen, like, the reformed racist guy. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy who left the KKK and is now friends with all these black people. Like, those kind of stories. We were, like, start, we've seen more of those over the years, but we haven't seen, like, the guy who was sexually harassing people and then has become, like, an advocate for women or something like that. Like, we, I, so I think, and we haven't seen the power of, the internet and all that and dealing with all that yeah yeah the internet is an amazing tool that like i'm so thankful for but at the same time it's so easy for like mob mentality kind of approach yeah and i mean what are the ramifications of that really people are talking mean about you on the internet like i don't know how deep it really goes but people lose jobs and Mm -hmm. people lose uh relationships and yeah. opportunities for sure um i'm pretty careful about what i say on the internet um just in general because i no one's asked me to be but as a journalist i feel like if i'm super outspoken how can i be perceived as neutral if i'm trying to cover something from a journalistic standpoint yeah so that, i censor myself a lot and yeah that was one of my things uh is under what i wrote political junkie mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I also wrote, like, balance with journalism. So, yeah, that is really, I have had, especially with, like, the election, I remember you were very, like, you have always been, since I've known you, like, on the internet and stuff, you've always been outspoken and kind of against Trump and yeah, not kind of yeah, against, yeah. against Trump. And so I went, like, when covering that election and covering the lead up to that election and, you know, or not even covering it, just being in a community and um, being in a community that is going to have Trump people, uh, even just interacting, even if you're like writing about something completely other than politics, there's still that there, especially if you are more outspoken. Because that's the thing about small towns too, right? Because mm-hmm. how many people are you friends with that you don't actually know on Facebook? Oh, that too are, many. That I just to, add, oh, they're like, oh, call later. I that. used to keep my Facebook at a strict, like, 150 friends. I wouldn't That's have more. Really. I read somewhere yeah. that you can't remember more than 150 people at once. And I don't even know if that's true, but it really stuck with me. Yeah. And I kept it like that until I started as the reporter at the call leader. That's when I yeah. I stopped with that rule. And I still go through and will delete people all the well, time. Well, I think that's <laughs> something to the balance maybe is, and maybe you're learning this, is like, you're like you're a public figure. You're like yeah. one of the most in 
in a town like Elwood, you, you are one of the most public figures by default just because of the position you hold. Yeah, which is in, insane to think about. Like, I didn't realize <laughs> what I was agreeing to. Um, yeah, yeah. I've always loved to write, but, like, I didn't know I was going to be a journalist, you know? I just, yeah. Mechanically, I'm really good at it. It comes easy for me. It's like the people who can do math in their head. Like, I can't yeah. do that, but... I just, I know the rules to write and I can follow them. And so you see it more like a science than a art? Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that's, it's a little bit of both. I mean, sure. yeah, it's like when you're writing it, there's an art form to it for sure. But there's also just like with anything, you learn how to do something by a formula. Like, yep. I mean, it's just, there's a structure. Yeah. There's yeah. rules and parameters. And if you fit inside those rules, then you can't really mess up. Like, yeah, that's at least that's how I've always seen it. And um, to kind of circle back to the political thing, there was an yeah. issue with a uh, a judge last summer, maybe. Um, it was the Edgewood. I remember this. Yeah, yeah, I went to interview him about this, and I, I didn't know him. I mean, I'm just—he's a public figure, and he—he's thanked me so many times for being fair with him. And it's just like, well, what do you mean? Like, I'm, that's my job. What, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Like, am I supposed to drag your name through the mud? But right. there's a lot of. Uh, distrust for media around here yes and in and i some of it i think is earned some of it i think is hyperbole but uh sure you know they're the the herald bolton for example i think sometimes they'll uh they'll try to make stuff out of nothing yeah and it's really easy to feel attacked if that's the case when i first started one of the at the call leader one of the first things i did was i sat down with the the police chief uh jason brisendine and he wanted to give a rebuttal to all the articles the Herald Bulletin was running about the the changeover in police. They had lost like five or six officers. And okay. It was essentially that Brizendine had come in to hear him explain it was that they didn't they just didn't like being held accountable for things. Yes. And that's what was happening. And then a few of the officers went to the Herald Bulletin and well I don't know what happened exactly, but I believe they misquoted him or took a snippet of his quote okay. or something like that. Sure. And he just stopped talking to them. So, <laughs> um, so then that connection, that pipeline is blocked. Yeah. And that's where we need to get our, our information from. Yeah. I mean, I think he's going to be a good person to ask if there's an issue with the police department yeah. and if they're, if he's not talking to them, which I don't know if he's still doing that or if that's. Or if I maybe conflated that in my mind. So memories. you have to, but to but to your point in your job, like you have to, you have to cultivate relationships regardless. That of is politics. like ninety percent of the job is it's cultivating, cultivating relationships. Because you also and getting people to trust you. Yeah, because you want people also to think of you when they're like, you know, like I didn't even know you, but I've heard so many good things about you that I was just like reached out to you about when I was doing the art show. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, you want to do this thing about my art show? Um, and, but it was because the relationships you built with other people that I felt comfortable reaching out. Well, that's good to hear. And, <laughs> yeah. It means no. I'm, I'm not doing a terrible job. Well, like, I, I do stress a lot about, Morgan, about it. <laughs> Morgan Jackman, mm -hmm. like she, she's been on this podcast and she, uh, you know, small business owner and all that. And you've been great to her. And then she was like, yeah, you got to call Steven. Like he's, he'll be totally into this. And so like, yeah, so those are great things. It was interesting what the, you mentioned the Herald Bulletin, um, I saw, because I saw, I've been seeing this whole, and if I bring up anything you don't want to talk about, but I've been this whole goods candy shop thing. Yeah. Can we talk about I it? Got, I got banned Can we from talk about the goods this? candy shop page. Okay. Uh, I want to say it was last summer. It was something about, something COVID related. So this is the first I've all heard about mm -hmm. it. 
And uh, so basically, this guy seems to be pretty eccentric, but also pretty uh, out there. <laughs> I don't know the way to say it. I mean, he's very outspoken. And, and he's taken to He his... posted like a job posting, but it included like a bashing of women. Yeah. And, and, or, yeah, and it was just a lot of really... Like, he really needed an editor or, like, a publicist, right? <laughs> he really needed to keep his personal opinions to himself yeah. as a business. It's like but... you post a job posting, which, like, as a creative writer, I was like, this is really freaking interesting, like, the way it was written. Oh, yeah. The way, the way it was, like, it was just, like, I'm looking for someone for 40 hours a week to help me man the shop, blah, blah, And it was just, like, nope. And there was, like, just, like, a, a litany of things he didn't want <laughs> and how they were somehow related to the way women behave in this and he was all these phrases I didn't know. It was really interesting. So that, but obviously misogynistic, and uh, we ha- yeah, and and yeah, it's something. But it's been interesting the way it's been kind of circulating because it because it took off on Facebook, yeah, right, and and then so it yeah, and then. Like, the Herald of Bulletin, I saw they posted something about it. Yeah, they were actually pretty slow on that. I was a little disappointed in them. <laughs> uh, Wish TV had something up first. Not Wish TV, WRTV6, I think yeah. it was. So, <laughs> so I think, yeah, I was thinking about that with, like, the way it took off on Facebook. It took off among the people, and then, and then it became news. Versus the yeah. way it used yeah. to be, would be something would be news. Like, a reporter goes and sees whatever a house on fire mm-hmm. like goes and reports from the house being on fire and then everyone learns about it yep you know but then this is kind of like one of like everyone's the learned the about last to know in this but example what, <laughs> yeah and so I, and then so then it was interesting the way they kind of and they it's just so interesting too with journalism and i'm sure you you might struggle with this being a passionate and political person but I was, I was noting how, like, they were trying so hard not to say, like, this misogy- like, they're like mm-hmm. Or they were, like, these misogynistic quotes. Like, you, the way you have to say it is so precise. Yeah. So that it... Because it, I've been... Yeah. So, anyways. Uh, I thought that whole situation that. was fascinating. Um, yeah. Again, it's been ongoing since... A, I want to say it started about a month so or two after posting. COVID. Yeah, I mean, see... I am very opinionated, and especially with politics, but I gotta, I gotta keep this area. You know, the northwestern or the north part of the county. I keep my mouth shut. Yeah. You know, yeah. if the mayor, which I love this mayor, like I don't yeah. live in Elwood, but like I love Todd Jones. I think he's great. Yeah. But he if is. he were to do something, you know, terrible, I would have to. I would just have to cover it. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that it's interesting because people are really worked up about about what, what the owner of Goods Candy is saying right now. Yeah. But they're actually making his platform larger by yep. doing so, um, by getting so worked up. He's on the news. He's going to become a public figure because of this, more so than what he, I guess, what he was. Um, I have no problem, you know, jumping on and and adding my opinion to that topic because that's outside my coverage area. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not going to cover this story for the call leader. Yeah, yeah. Although I think it might be fun. But, I mean, yeah. I've already shown my bias on this story, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch it personally. Um, I, I do think that 
it would probably be best if he just stopped, but he's doubled down and... Oh, he did double down. Oh, he doubled down. So, <laughs> But, you know, you see that stuff like in national politics, like look at Donald Trump, the rise of Donald Trump, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. I actually, for as much as people label me like a Trump hater, like I, I think he's a fascinating person. I'm the same way, Stephen, um, where I can separate like my heart. He's a, he's a showman for my sure. My heart... <laughs> Is like against him, mm-hmm. but my mind is fascinated by it, and is in, in the same way that I was intrigued by the way that Goods Candy Shop guy wrote the thing as like a piece of text. Yeah, like intellectually, I'm like that's really interesting and bizarre. Have you ever known um, people? I mean, like in that age bracket that will like take some Ambien and get on Facebook and post. <laughs> Yeah, like that's what it reminds me of when I'm reading Ambient, it. It's like this dude, this dude isn't gonna remember it in the morning, and then he's gonna have a whole world of shit to deal with. But no, he I don't. Doubled, I don't know that that's the case. He took since he doubled down. Yeah. and doubled down. <laughs> so I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens from that. Ultimately, I think it'll hurt him more than it helped him. You know, because how many people are seeing this and they're just not commenting? But you know, yeah. it doesn't sit right with them. Yeah, like I think that's the majority. Um, or yeah, or it'll just. Yeah, the, even if it just creates an, a he'll lot get, of people, he'll get a little, a little bit like, of a bump from you know the people who support him, but they're not sure. gonna come in every day and they're not gonna be repeat customers. It's a short-term strategy that I think he's gonna come to regret. But I mean, I'll, I'll eat my words if I'm wrong. But yeah, at minimum, it's gonna give people like a little shudder when they think of like, mm-hmm. oh, let's go grab what is it? Candy? Is that what? It- yeah. Like, we yeah. need to go to a candy shop, and it'll be like, how about goods? And somebody will shudder, and then it, no, they won't go. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's even, yeah, it's even if it doesn't, like, wreck your world, it still gives you, like, enough of a visceral reaction that you're like, nah, I don't want to, either way, I don't want to deal with any of that. <laughs> like, I don't want to be a part of any of that. Um yeah. I mean, he's a, he's, I said it on Facebook last night and I meant it. Like, he is an internet troll. And, yeah. you know, the, the number one rule with internet trolls is don't feed the troll. So, everyone <laughs> that's resharing and commenting and adding their two cents, yeah. you know, they're just making it worse, in essence. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, because I'm that way where I don't like commenting and I don't like, like, sharing posts that I'm liking like engaging with like kind of that I'm kind of arguing with even in my head or in my heart I I if I'm gonna post about it I'll just post about like I will make a post like I've been thinking a lot about Trump but I'm not gonna like share some like yeah over and over the the best that I mean like it's pretty hilarious to me is like people recognize me for being outspoken against when he was president but yeah the number of times I would type something and I would spend hours reworking it only to not post it it's alarmingly wow. high. So yeah. the stuff that did get through, yeah. like, and there was a lot of it to where, like, I, I was mindful of what was happening and I was trying to, yeah. but I, I, when you're passionate, like, and you have strong opinions, it's, there, are, there are lines in the sand that you and have to draw. And editing is always good. Yeah. You know this as a writer and I <laughs> yes. know this as a writer. Like, editing, like, first thought, best thought is, that gets used a lot in poetry and it can be true, but the, it's... It's usually that first thought was hopefully a product of a lot of thinking. Yeah. Like before it became a thought. Like before it became a post. That's why I think I I take you, like I I think that's why I was immediately drawn to you because I think uh, intellectually, uh, 
yeah, I can tell you take those things really seriously. Like you take posting really seriously. You take the, just you take what you put in the world really seriously. You know, so like this does have an effect, even if on a smaller scale. You know, mm-hmm. where's yeah, the line? That's a good question, <laughs> and that's a question I'm asking myself a lot. Is like, you know, where where is the line? And where I've, is the line? I think that it's difficult because the line it shifts. It keeps shifting. Yeah, and. I think it's why I get frustrated when younger progressive people get frustrated with people in their 50s and their 60s and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the boomers. Yeah. And, oh, well, we don't call them this, we call them that. Well, yeah. okay, that's great. And maybe that we can educate these people, but yeah. is the best way to educate them by shaming them? Yes. Because I don't... I completely I don't, agree. I mean, then you're, you're losing potential allies. Yeah. Whereas if you just politely correct someone rather than saying, oh, so-and-so's... A racist or so and so is a bigot yeah. because they said this or, or that. just in, yeah and yeah. so engaging in the conversation and we can talk about it but like i want to like i'm only i just want to have conversations about it with i mm-hmm. i'm not like yeah like i'm not gonna stop going there i'm not gonna but it is i did notice that <laughs> impulse of like i don't want to share that mm-hmm. um just because when i was typing that word um but yeah i think it is interesting because it, we are, we don't think about teachable moments like we should, where, yeah, this thing with... My thing is always, when I, when I think like that, I'm a very, uh, I'm a very, what can I gain from this situation? How can I get more people to my cause? How can I win people to my mm-hmm. side? Because that's essentially what life and politics is. I mean, and, if you're trying to influence culture in any way, you need to get people on, you know, to see your point of view. And no one's ever had their mind or their heart changed by being spoken down to yep. or being insulted. You're so or, right, Stephen. So I, I think that that's, that's the issue is people need to think of how they're going to, to use those moments to teach people and to educate them. Yeah. And they need, to, they need to emphasize that there's nothing wrong with not knowing something. Yes. Like we have this society where, you know, if someone is educated in, by means of being shamed they're you know they're mad yeah of course they are yeah like why wouldn't they be like if if your kindergarten teacher taught you how to do the alphabet by telling you how stupid you were every time you messed it up you'd probably hate the alphabet like yeah that's yeah that's something i've been trying to do more in my life is to really really limit the number of battles Mm -hmm. that i get myself into even even if it's argument like an argument in the like more intellectual sense of like then that can really be, be more of a collaboration. I'm trying to up collaboration and lower confront like yeah. lower battling confrontation because yeah, like you said, like collaboration is where we get we get stuff done and we get change and we all grow. Um, I think one of the things that's one of the things I hate about or I have trouble with with uh, contemporary liberalism is that it often harnesses some of the same tactics and modes that um, reactionary modes and reactionary tactics that we're criticizing the right for. Mm-hmm. When when like you know people are like hollering, I'm not putting on a mask. You know, like just like they're just reacting. Like oh, somebody told me to put on a mask. I'm not doing that. You know, like that big and that gets overblown. That's but. They're similar to something when it's just like someone wrote the wrong word on a Facebook post and now I'm jumping all over them yeah. for that. That's just as reactionary and just as 
assumptive um, as you you crush the person that made the mistake in hopes of what like educating others to not do the same because winning. this is what will happen to them. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. It just it seems counterproductive to me, and obviously it, it works to a degree because we're still seeing it. But yeah, no, I think it, ultimately though, there are, how many fence sitters are you losing because you're mm-hmm. coming off as hostile or aggressive mm-hmm. and yeah, um, yeah. I, I totally agree. I, I feel like we're really uh, in line on a lot of on a lot of that kind of that the liberalism stuff. Um, yeah, because it's fascinating the way we've seen it change, and you know we've seen it. Uh, well, and now we're in this interesting thing because I can't, I forgot the other day who who our president was for like two seconds. I knew it wasn't Trump, and I was just like. Wait, who did I vote for? <laughs> and, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, Biden." Uh, and because I don't hear from him. Yeah, it's kind of nice, isn't it? You don't have to wake up at three in the morning and check Twitter. Um, yeah. That, honestly, that and was half my. Are honestly, a little boring. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm like, great. Yeah, that was half my issue with with the Trump presidency was that not every thought needs to. I mean, that's my issue with social media in general is not every thought needs to be yeah. just spewed out as you have it. Sometimes you should delete your post. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I can say that I've probably pay, paid less attention over the last six months than what I did, you know. Yeah. All throughout the Trump presidency, and I want to hold Biden to the same standard, but when he's not pissing me off every day, yes, you know, when I I can escape Biden, I couldn't escape Donald Trump. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so for for the call leader. Most of the national news is through AP. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is AP. You don't have to... No, never. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't touch it. Um, so, you're, yeah, you're thinking more local news. So you kind of get to stand back and, mm-hmm. and just and be you as person, Stephen Murray, in the mm-hmm. world, not citizen of America, not, not, uh, not uh, you know, small-town journalist, like that. And so uh, is that... Yeah. Is... Is that a difficult divide to make, or you said thankfully you don't have to worry about that stuff? You glad um, you don't? I mean, I have. I mean, when I first took the job, I was like, okay, I need to stop being so outspoken, and I was like, I made this rule for myself: I'll only speak up when it really matters. But the problem is, it really mattered to me a lot. Yeah. So. Um, and you were kept giving fodder. That you kept were giving fuel mm-hmm. for that. <laughs> matters Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because things kept happening and people kept and one person kept talking and you know like yeah i I, uh, the person the most important person i think that in terms of national politics touching like the local uh politics the only time that really ever happened was last last summer with mm-hmm. the uh, the protests and the counter protests that were happening oh, in Alexandria, that's um, yeah, that's because I live in Alexandria, so yeah. I I went uh, just mostly to take photos. I didn't want to cover it, so to speak, but I I did a few live streams and I tried to really keep my mouth shut or just narrate exactly what I was seeing. Yeah. Um, so when you say just real quick, I, I want to no, hear what you're saying, but like. I'm trying to learn more about your job as well. So when you say you're covering it and taking photos and live streaming, are you doing that as Stephen Murray or are you doing that as Stephen Murray who works for the call leader? You know, that's an interesting question because the the live streams, I think, are like a blended 
You know, yeah. that was more of a Stephen Murray, the reporter, Stephen Murray, the person kind of thing. Yeah. Because there was, there was a time where I just, I don't remember exactly what happened during the protest, but I was like, I'm disgusted. Yeah. And I, I said that and I'm sitting there like, oh, whoops, I didn't mean to like, yeah. you know, but like you look at reporters have always had their own opinions and they've yeah. always shared them. And I, I'm sensitive to being labeled as unfair or biased. Yeah. So I try not to. Um, in that context, when I was on the live stream. Why do you think that matters so much to you, being unfair and, unbi- and unbiased? I think it really just it ultimately comes down to, I want everyone to like me. Yeah. You know, that's a very human thing. And but you're not that way as an individual. That's what's interesting. Yeah. Is I you, yeah. I don't, I don't really know. I haven't psychoanalyzed myself that much. But <laughs> it, it, it's, just, it's just that I... Um, you know, my thought process is if people like me and trust me, they're going to tell me things. Yes. But if I say something that offends someone or pisses them off, they're not going to talk to me. Yeah. I've never had that happen. I don't know why I'm so hypervigilant about it. I don't know why I'm so afraid of it. Yeah. Maybe it's because it could happen if I wasn't. I don't, I really don't know. Um, I remember, uh, it's been a couple years back now, but one of the first big stories I had was when Elwood hired the superintendent who took the the boy to the doctor by posing yep. as her son. Yep. And that story went national. And to watch the national spin on it, it was a battle of healthcare in America. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not what that was. And that's not what that and was. And when I saw on. it get twisted into that by the national news media, I was like, I totally understand now why people don't trust the media. Yeah. And it made me mad because I'm on the ground and like, I'm, I'm literally... You know, she's not giving statements to the TV station. She's giving them to me. Yeah. And, you know, eventually she did. I think she went on and did a few of the national talk shows because what else do you do? Your career's over now. Like, you're not going to be an educator anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're not educating anymore after that. But yeah. I remember I've never been as stressed out as I was during that time period. Like, I felt like I was personally involved with the controversy, even though well, you, I did nothing you were wrong. A perso- you did yeah. personally. Yeah. So you were, how long, I mean, what'd that go on for? Months? Uh, I mean, weeks? I'd say the weeks, yeah. The worst of it was over within the first couple weeks. But, but still, that's like, for Elwood, that's a pretty yeah. ongoing, exciting, <laughs> like, uh, news story. So, yeah, that... And again, for a lot of people, you are, in stories like that, you are the first, mm-hmm. because a lot of those stories don't get national coverage, no, or like no. you said, get improper national yeah. coverage. So, so you are like, yeah, like you said, you didn't know what you were getting yourself into, did you? I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> and I'm just like, all of a sudden I see the TV media coming in, and you know, mm-hmm. we're at a school board meeting, and suddenly there's 300 people there instead of the normal 12, half of them teachers. Like, yeah, it yeah, was a yeah. lot to take in. And um, it was a pretty stressful time. I was, I just remember like agonizing. I'd write something, I'd go home and I'd sit there and I think, what did I say there? What did I say there? Yeah. Did I use that word? I, I didn't mean to use that word. I, it, it was, it was terrible. <laughs> I don't have that natural, like journalistic killer instinct to where I'm not looking to bring anyone down. I'm not looking to ruin anyone's life. Sure, sure. And I think that there's a lot of that in media. Maybe not so much locally, uh, but I do see it. But again, it comes down to, is it collaboration or is it confrontation? Like, and you're like, and you view journalism as collaboration? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I think <laughs> the facts need to be known. And if yeah. there were a situation where I had to, I had to write about a fact that was uncomfortable for me it wouldn't stop me it would just there would just be a lot of uh 
personal agony. Sure, so. but you still, like, even then you have to collaborate with your sources and you have mm-hmm. to collaborate, you know, and, and collaborate with your community in many ways. And so, yeah. Yeah, so. and that was one of the first times, really, where people were reaching out to me, like, hey, I don't want you, this is off the record, or, hey, this oh. is, this, don't quote me on this, or I need to remain anonymous. You feel big time then? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I spent like, hours dang. on the phone with people, oh, sources, you know, that's throughout amazing. the community, and, and just essentially gossiping about what was going on just so I could get the basics. Yeah. And I thought it was it was exciting, but it was also, like, pretty tiring for me i bet especially when this is a pretty sleepy town in the sense that you know there's there's the meth bus and yeah. all that sort of stuff but but no murders no, really. no murders no nothing like that you yeah. know so realistically i can go home and when i go home tonight nothing big's gonna happen like i don't even have to worry about yeah. that. yeah I, I had to like reconcile with this this notion that i was always on like i yeah. go home and i just find myself scrolling social media or the Elwood like chatter pages on Facebook <laughs> and, which uh, I think are the most detrimental things in the world I hate those pages I, it's on here uh <laughs> Elwood citizen sharing yeah. information is, I, on, is that the one you're talking about um, that's one of them they're all bad to be honest uh, Elwood citizens from what I've understood I don't know the people that are running it now but apparently they've taken some efforts to to clean the page up. They have. To make it some, you know, make but it, it less gossipy. But it is still fascinating. Or... There's still, again, it's that, are you looking at it from, like, you're probably horrified of it from an intellectual, or from, <laughs> a, from like, a heart standpoint. Like, you know, like, this is not good for my community. Mm-hmm. Where, and I also feel that, pang. And then I also have the, as someone who likes ridiculous and absurd things, it's a treasure trove. <laughs> oh, there was one time I was reading it, and this has been a couple years back, but there were two guys on there arguing. They had some sort of breakup. They were a couple, and they were just slinging mud at each other. The most personal stuff you can say oh, about one another, yeah. about that page, as if they're the only two there that can see it, <laughs> as if it was just a private conversation. Um, and I'm sitting there thinking... Anyone in the world could see this. There are at least 6,000 people in this group that can see this right so now. So do you think <laughs> kind of is the problem with it, like kind of the lack of class or the lack of dignity? I do think it? that that's a big part of it for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not like a big, I wouldn't say that that was super important to me, but it's just so tacky. But ba- it's basic. Just so, it's so yeah. hard to watch. It's like a train wreck. It's just, I, yeah. I feel sorry for him. Like I want to message him and be like, "Hey, the better way to resolve this would be X, Y, Z." But yeah. it's like I don't know these people. It's not my my problem. But why so. is it here? Why am I even having the feeling of commenting on it? Like yeah. why yeah. why is this being forced on my life? Um, <laughs> yeah, that the thing is fascinating. Does it does that page? Because that's like that page is actually where I found out about the goods thing. Someone shared it to there. there there's a positive that, aspects no, that, to those yeah, pages. Yeah, and that's like, where I found out about the gypsy. So, so I wonder, because I think about this a lot, the call leader doesn't have a lot of like, like you get to have Twitter? We do. I, I made a Twitter, but it's like, eh. But you know what I mean? Like yeah, on that, our web on that front, our web presence, it's mostly like limited they skipped, to, they skipped that whole phase. Like, they, yeah. And, and there's and always promises, you know, from the, the bosses that one day, one day we're going to have a better website. One day we'll have, I want a good website, I want a Twitter, and I want mm-hmm, a podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, you could totally do something like yeah. that. But, but anyways, so I wonder if the way that page is kind of functioning, and sometimes is kind of functioning as the unofficial Elwood Twitter account 
where it's just like whatever's happening, like people are giving away dogs and people are, or you know, there's a couple mm-hmm. different pages, but people are uh, looking for something or people learn something or heard something. I mean, I mean, every three days is a post that's like, did someone hear a loud noise? And it's like, what? Which, you know, that stuff's pretty harmless. Like, let's, let's be realistic. And, and like today, just watching people come together, you know, in support of the business and trying to help yes. them pick up the pieces like that's awesome those that's aspects awesome. of them i love yeah but it's the, it's the un um it's the unfiltered gossip that i think yeah. that rubs me the wrong way like yeah. i can never just say that i heard something like i'm gonna source it like whoops You're fine. i'm gonna source it like five six you know different ways i'm not gonna just put it out there and say yeah oh well, i heard that's, yeah <laughs> it's yeah so there's there's no um there's no accountability there. You can say whatever you want. And maybe yeah. it should be that way. I don't know. I just don't think that that's the best source of information. No. And that, that is my concern is, like I said, I think it's being used both as a receiver and as people putting stuff out there as kind of like the, the more like, uh, like by the minute account of life in Elwood and it and it's so, but it, it's almost it's, like a collective journal but so it's in only, that aspect is pretty it is cool. like a collective journal and it's only by the kind of people who will use a collective journal mm-hmm. like i don't put i only literally follow for the absurdity and the humor <laughs> so like, you're, you're just there to watch the train wreck you're not there I, to, you're not there to help no, after <laughs> and every once in a while i get a like a good fact or mm-hmm. I get a good like oh there's a new this Lydia sweet treats like uh, li- mm-hmm. little things like that that's great I love that but but mostly I'm there just and the screen capture things and send it to my friends like yeah, one, <laughs> yeah. like on the Elwood Gibbs page which I, I think is beautiful again a beautiful thing where people just post things that they're getting rid of but sometimes it's just so funny like oh, yeah. some lady posted one one time that was like um it was literally a sideways picture of three <laughs> half cut open hams like that you get at the store and it says it no punctuation just says i got these hams don't want no more pick up at my house and that's all it said okay that and is like the pinnacle of comedy i was like this is so funny like i got these hams and so like i literally have friends that we like that's an inside joke is i because i capture mm-hmm. with this sideways picture of <laughs> and i'm like that's just funny and like so so i do appreciate from that but then i'm also like i also want to offer that lady my services as someone with two english degrees and like we can learn like Mm -hmm. as a learn i also have this impulse for a learning moment so it's funny how i'm always battling my head and my heart like (laughs) like trying to no i i understand that i basically have unfollowed i mean i follow but like you know how you can not see things you don't see all the posts yeah i'll go to it you know maybe once a day or if someone says hey did you see this like i want access to that that site and there's been times where they've helped me i need something that's awesome i'm not here in town all the time so if i miss something i can ask yeah i saw you uh, up on there like hey i was wondering about this does anyone shoot me a dm if you want to talk about it yeah like that that. so from that perspective i i think it's a useful tool it's like a town square yeah in the old way yeah well this is a weird thing to get to now but (laughs) i want to talk about how we got to the call leader i want like because what is interesting is you and i were at ball state at the same time yeah we were and i was a creative writing major and I believe okay. you were a minor. Yeah, I did. I did minor um, creative writing. So, so then I was racking my brain like, oh my God, this is going to be so embarrassing if we had a class together. And, 
But because I was there, I was there 07 to 11. Yeah, I was there from 06 to um, an early part of 0, maybe 12. Yeah, I've also said 012. But um, I took my my dad got sick kind of towards the end of okay. it. Um, so okay. I, I was just doing like 12 hours. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it took me a while to, to finish up. And also, like, I don't know about you, but I didn't want that period of my life to end. So no. <laughs> I loved it. I had a great time. I really did too. Um, it, it really was incredible, especially from being, it was like such a good step up from being like a place here. And I don't mean step up in quality or anything. I just mean like in size, literally, Mm -hmm. um, from just to go over to Muncie and it'd still be close. I would say like, I I could come back. I came home a lot. I could, I could, my parents could come over, you know, I probably saw them once a week, that kind of thing. But then... But then it was it was big enough to, and that's how I mean, like that's how I became a poet. That's how um, my musical taste expanded. That's how my political views shape, and that's how I met so many. You know, I met my first, I made my first black friend. I made my first trans friend. I met like those kind of just being in a different environment yeah, that I yeah. wouldn't have like here, and it was really incredible. And I had a great time in the creative writing department. I know for a minor you don't have to take that many classes, but did you? How did you enjoy your time at? I loved it. In the, um, over in the, because you were a, your major was TCOM? It was, yeah. yeah. Um, so after I graduated high school, my, I had about six, like, really close friends. You know, we were always doing everything together. Yeah. And, and like four of them went to Ball State. Yep. So, I did that with you know, then yep. there was the ones that were going, like, I had a friend go to Huntington and, you know, and yep. then another one went a little further away. So you start and you already have your friends. And I think that, in, in hindsight, might have kneecapped me a little bit because I remember that first weekend moving into the dorms, I I didn't want to be there. Yeah. I thought, I mean, talk about looking down on others or thinking you're better than other people. Just everything I saw disgusted me. Really? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember um, that first weekend, there was just a wild party in, in our hall and, like, guys are throwing up in the sink. And I'm just like, these, like, aren't, some, these aren't my people. Have some dignity, Yeah, man. these aren't my people. So I, like, the, my roommate and I, my roommate was, I actually lived with him in high school still. Um, my, oh, parents, yeah. my parents moved to Florida my senior year, so, okay. like, his family took me in. Okay. And uh, we had to share a bedroom when I lived at his house. So, like, it was no big adjustment moving to the dorms. Yeah. And we were best friends, so it was, it was all good. But just everyone on the floor, it scared me. I didn't want to be around all those new people. I wasn't ready for it. I had no idea what the college experience was going to be like, which is a, a huge problem, I think, for people around here when they when they get and in, get into college. Like a lot of people, they either sink or they swim, and they sink because they're horrified. Yes, like they don't want to interact with anyone. They don't want to ask anyone. And the for way help. they react to that, though, mm-hmm. is really how did you react to being horrified? Well, it was like the first four days, my buddy uh, from our friend group had an apartment off campus, so I stayed at his his place. Yeah, and then I finally ended up going home and or to the dorm and when school actually started it got a little better yep like i didn't want i was tired i didn't want to go to some friend you know yeah a friend's house to stay and live when when you're a curious guy so you're probably intrigued by class like yeah that was my classes were literally my favorite thing about college because i love school i love school yeah i I love learning and i'm just like especially like creative writing Mm -hmm. it's like just tell me things so I thought that was interesting. Um, once I got over my fear of the dorms, unfortunately, everyone had kind of already found their circle. Uh-huh. So I remember towards the end of my freshman year, I had, a, I had a girlfriend that year, and she would come over 
to watch The Office every Thursday. Okay. And we ran into some people outside of uh, one of the, the buildings, and they were like, oh, it's the Thursday girl. And I was like, what are they talking about? Well, we it got to the, like this legend of this this Thursday girl. She would come <laughs> over every Thursday to the two guys' room where no one knew us, and then she'd leave. Her hair would be all messed up from us like fighting over the remote control. Sure. So God knows what everyone was thinking was happening in there. But it was really just me trying everyone to avoid watching. Everyone thought you were super cool. Oh, I, I, I guess, but I was just trying not to have to get stuck watching the real world. Like, you know. <laughs> So I thought that was kind of funny, and, and towards the end of the year, we started, you know, I started reaching out, making some friends. Yeah. Um, did you did we did you do like the what's the newspaper over there? The, the no the, the Daily News. The no, Daily I didn't. News. I didn't know. I didn't know that I had an interest in news. Like when I started um, at Ball State, I I knew I liked to write. I always wanted to be a writer. Yeah. I thought that that would look more like TV shows, more like books, more, you know, that's the kind of writing I wanted to do. Yeah. I had a unique childhood, a, a unique upbringing. It's still mine. I thought that it would, I mean, maybe. You got, but, a lot of, you got a lot more words to write in your life, I guarantee yeah, it. Yeah, maybe. I, I just don't, to me, the, the, naive, like, the naive child of going to Hollywood, like, that's not what I want anymore. Sure. Like, I, I wouldn't even know where to start in a place like that. I'm, if I do bad in, um, you know, on a floor of new people. Imagine what it'd be like in a, in a city with millions of new people. Um, I'm totally all right being a, a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. I have some friends that criticize me for that. Like, why don't me you too. go work for a bigger Me too, paper? brother. Why don't you go do this? And yeah. It's like, why don't you? If you think you're that, you know? Yeah. But I, I did like, I like school. Um, I wanted to be a writer, but I also thought that I would work in the, the film industry. So yeah. I wanted a TCOM degree. But the problem with that was really early on, I realized that if you didn't know, if you didn't have the fundamentals coming into the program, uh-huh. you weren't going to succeed because everyone else was ahead of you. So, oh, yeah. So um, I ended up uh, changing my option to film studies, <laughs> there you, uh, you know, from pro- production. And then I... Because they're so close. Yeah, they're so yeah, close. I was originally going to double major and do magazine journalism because I thought that writing for a magazine could be cool. So my, my first... Of my the first of my seven majors, <laughs> when I was at Boston State, <laughs> was uh, they were all pretty close, uh, but was magazine journalism. Okay. Because I wanted to be a sports writer. I love basketball. I'm a big basketball guy. Hey, we need a sports writer. And, just saying, just putting it out there. <laughs> okay, let's talk about it. Uh, and love it. And uh, so I actually, when I was at high school, they had this class called BTI at mm-hmm. the Career Center, and it was business technology and internships, mm-hmm. and. So that's what I did for that whole class. It was all about getting ready for college and what you want your career to be. And I had, I, so I had like a blog. I had a, like an early blog, like sports What'd blog. What did you use? Um, I think it was Blogspot. Okay. Yeah. I was big on Zanga. Zanga, yeah, Zanga. yeah. And then uh, the coolest thing was, um, uh, do you remember, or, no, you didn't go here. Uh, but the choir teacher, uh, Faith Harlan, She's Faith Monteith now, but her husband, Mark Monteith, who was her boyfriend at the time, is was the Pacers beat writer for the Indy Star. Oh, okay. And I got to go down and go to a practice. And I was actually there on a trade. Mm-hmm. A day they had a trade, so I got to, like, help them cover the trade. And I got to go in the locker room. And I was just like, this is what I want to do. <laughs> like, you know? And, and then I got to Ball State, and I met a bunch of poets. And I was like, 
screw career. Let's make weird poems. Yeah, po- poetry's always been something I struggled with. That was not my strong suit. I remember taking a, uh, yeah. a poetry class at Ball State. Well, especially just, if you're hey. interested in struck, like if you're interested in like old school poems, of course, are very structured and all that. But if you're in, if you're interested in like exactly how do I make this thing that works, poetry is not go- you're not gonna <laughs> find an answer there. There isn't an answer, uh, and I don't want there to be. But um, yeah, I was curious. So, what creative writing classes did you take? So, I took a. I loved the creative nonfiction classes. I took as many of those as I can. Did I don't Jill take? How... Jill teach at Christmas? Yes, yes, she did. Yeah, I loved her. She was really yeah, good. Yeah, she's to me. amazing. Um, I had a lot of teachers though that, at Ball State that were really good to me, and I, I was having a lot of trouble in my family life around that time. Um, my my dad and my stepmom got into drugs about my sophomore year of high school, and it got pretty messy. Oh. And um, they were involved, you know, with meth before meth was a thing around here. Oh. Um, my dad has always kind of had, uh, alcohol problems. And when he went to work release, like for one of his DUIs, he met this guy that taught him how to make meth. Oh no. And you know, I'm from so like my age Steven. of like 14 to 16, like my house was a meth house. Like I had that worldview. Like I got to see what that's like, and it's it's not fun. You were um, around, like you knew, and you were like cognizant. I guess I was. Oh age. yeah, oh yeah, because I was horrified. I thought every day when I came home that there was just going to be people waiting to take. And to you take knew us. the significant, like at that age. Well, yeah, and kinda, I knew what would yeah. happen if if because you're old enough at that age. Yeah, it's not like doing it when there's like a four year old running yeah. around. Yeah, not so, that I'm condoning that. But <laughs> so shortly after, you know, my my parents luckily are one of the few. Uh, success stories of getting cleaned up and getting their life turned around but now I have siblings that struggle with the same thing mm. and it's just like yeah. well hopefully they can see the example that like they can see the recovery example yeah. that your yeah. parents are setting uh, yeah you know that again that's that redemption story that mm-hmm. we were talking about like where so if, like right again, before Breaking you... Bad came out I remember thinking I wanted to do a TV show that was like the Brady Bunch on meth yeah, I mean that's essentially what my family was. Yeah, and then breaking with bad, all the kids. Yeah, then Breaking Bad and Weeds came out, and I was like, oh well, there we go. There, you know, they've kind of cornered the market. I think, and, <laughs> I think, I I I don't know. I it's think, a, you know, I don't I talk about it a idea. lot just I because it's a great idea. It was illegal, so like I had to wait for enough yeah. time to pass to where they're not going to get in trouble. <laughs> Amazing, um, <laughs> uh, incredible. That that's so interesting. Um, very thoughtful too. Um, yeah, that must be, yeah, see, that wasn't in my, yeah, that yeah, wasn't so. my research, so I'm, I'm trying to think of thoughtful no ways to engage with that. No, I think that, thank you for sharing that. Um, what it, do you see any, like, ramifications of that in your own life? Like, seeing your family go through that struggle? Such a, yeah. and it's not like, it's such an intent, like, it's so far down the it you know it's like it's not like they were potheads it's not like they were you know they were also potheads but <laughs> but they were but you know like there's a big gap between potheads yeah. and oh, cooking oh for that. real for real and and so that that's like really far down this way mm-hmm. on this spectrum of parenting and you were and again i think it's because of the age you were that kind of startled me cuz to me it like if the kid like it's not great to be like cooking meth around like two year olds, but I'm just thinking of like you're watch, you're like literally seeing it, and you're carrying the stress of it, and you're mm-hmm. carrying the, you know the significance of it, and you know the possibilities. So I I kind of you know retreated a lot into like the virtual space, and I had a lot of online friends. Okay. Um, 
I was really big into pro wrestling, so I would like you get were. on the wrestling forums and I'd meet people. And yeah. I met this girl that was great. She was older than me, and we, she would just let me tell her about my problems. And I never felt like it was gonna get anyone in trouble. Yeah, because I couldn't talk to a teacher. I couldn't talk to any. No, you know, I knew that. I didn't want my parents to go to prison. Yeah. I knew that, but I also knew that it was a lot to carry around. It was so much to carry around. It was a lot of stress. Too. So I think that I found ways to, to handle it. And I also feel like I had a lot of teachers and friends growing up that were perceptive that something wasn't right. They didn't know what it was, but, you know, so people... Um, we're always willing to take care of me. Sure. Ultimately, my stepmom, you know, decided, like, we can't keep doing this. And they tried various methods to stop, but they ended up moving to Florida to get away. That yeah. was the hardest part, was everyone kept coming to the house. Because there's your friends. Yeah, yeah. And your customers. Yeah. Yeah. So they were able to get away, but I didn't want to go to Florida. I couldn't go to Florida because I'd lose my, I was on 21st Century Scholars. Oh. And I, I was not going to lose my chance to go to college because... They needed to get away from their Good drug for problem. You. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so yeah. I stuck around, and you know, I felt like I was going to be something. I really wanted to make my life have a little more meaning than theirs, which seems like a mean thing to say now. But I do feel that I they just kind of got they kind of got lost in their own shit, and yeah, you know, they I we weren't the priority during that time period, for better or for worse. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel like. They're necessarily bad people or sure. parents. Um, I feel like they they were addicts and they were sick. Yeah. Um, which again, this is that thoughtfulness that I think we that I like about you that we also need to promote and like <laughs> model for people this sense of like there's context. Yeah. And so, there's and there's nuance. Yeah. It's, and there's a lot of subtlety to it, and I think it's definitely made me more. Um, more forgiving towards addicts in general. Yeah. You know, I one of the things I really dislike about my job is when I get a press release from the police department about someone who got busted with pot or something. You know, like mm -hmm. why why do I have to shame these people I for have, that? I have a yeah, I have my own grievances with that pot, that kind of practice of it's just well, I had a personal experience with that with my grandpa who passed away last July had this nurse that worked out with him and mm -hmm. at the assisted living that he was at. And he, she was the only one that he would let, like he had to like have lotion on his feet and socks on every night, compression socks. And so she was, he was the only one she, that he, she was the only one he'd let do that and um, all that. Uh, and he, she did his baths and they had a great relationship. And then she got, we opened the paper one day and she was meth busted from, and and she's on the front page, so of course she immediately lost her job, which maybe she should have. But, but he, that's how he found out. Yeah, and, that's unfortunate. And then he died two months later, and not. I'm not saying that that's why he died, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying it sounded like. And then he died. And yeah, they they say meth is really dangerous. <laughs> it's really, if your nurse does meth, then you'll die. But um, but but he, he was heartbroken. Because he just couldn't, uh, his eighty-nine-year-old mind just couldn't wrap his head around that whole the whole thing, and he didn't he didn't even really know what meth was like, and he just like he just couldn't really like contextualize. He yeah. couldn't really yeah. 
And so he was just mad at her, and I was trying to explain, like, yeah, hey, I think there's a lot going on here, and, like... Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's unfortunately, that's one of those drugs that spirals very quickly. Yeah. You know, you yeah. could have the best of intent. Like, my stepmom, for example, when she... St- the reason she liked it, she'd always been a bigger lady. She was losing weight, you know? Oh. It wasn't until wow. all the bad stuff started, all the yeah. bad stuff. Like, she yeah. wasn't... I don't think it was so much that she liked getting high. It was so, it was that she was losing weight. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Um, what? Didn't it used to... It was illegal. Certain types of methamphetamines were legal and were used as weight loss, I believe. Oh, I, I'm sure. I mean, it, it, yeah. Amphetamines in general have kind of yeah. always been kind of used, used for that sort all, of thing. All kinds of ways, yeah. Um, but no, that was like the first thing she noticed about it. And that's why she kind of encouraged my dad to get into it. Huh. And... But then she also was the I've first out of the that. two That's to realize, oh, yeah, it's insane when you think about it. Like, you want to lose weight, and then your whole life falls apart. Yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah. Like, yeah. You're just like, well, I, I'll take the weight but, back. Can but, I have yeah. the weight back? <laughs> everyone, everyone has their own reasons for doing what they yeah. do. And it all, you know, it just it gets so out of control so quickly. And um, I'm really thankful that they didn't, they didn't die from it, you know. But yeah. my dad got colon cancer at a really young age, and he, he, he's pretty sure it's from the meth use. Sure. And it probably is. We have no history of cancer in my family like that. Mm. So, um, but he's pretty much abused his body his whole life. So it could be a number of things. Yeah. Well, but, that's a good segue into how I like to end up. I like to talk about like ways people are taking care of mm-hmm. themselves and making choices. And so seeing all that growing up and then now even in your adult life, how are you? What are things that, that you do? Because you just have with the, the reporting and, you know, and just in the climate and, and all that, I feel like you definitely have some stress going on. So what are you doing for, what do you, what do you like to do for self-care or to take care of yourself? Um, lately I've been on a big kick to drink water. Water. I, yeah. I did not grow up on water, so it was hard for me, but like, no, well, I'm pretty what good was at your, it now. What did they hand you? Oh, Pepsi. Mine Pepsi. Was, yeah. Mine Pepsi Dr. Mine was Dr. Pepper. Oh yeah. So like I don't I don't drink soda anymore. Um, I I will occasionally. It's not like I'm I'll never do it again. But yeah, I want to make sure I'm drinking half my body weight in water every day, which yep. is it's difficult at times. Yeah. Other times it's really easy. It's not bad when it's all humid like this. Imagine if you weigh two hundred thirty pounds. It's a lot of water. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of water, baby. <laughs> um, and, you know, I try to. Um, one thing I've done that's really helped, like my mental health, is I've cleaned up my Facebook feed. If there's people constantly causing trouble, unfollow. That unfollow yeah. button is the best thing Facebook has done in a long time. Yeah, because you don't have to do the full. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you chop, don't have to unfriend them. Chop, yeah, and then yeah. But you can you can just do a nudge into the closet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, just... and if I need to go to their page, I still can. So yes. it's it's that's that's good for me. And if they want to see yours, mm-hmm. you're giving them the opportunity to see what you're doing as well. And you're not you're not keeping them away from that side. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, those two things are, are I also it. try to find time to shut my brain off, which is really hard for me. Yeah. Um, I really struggle with that. It's always going. We well, said an you, insomniac you have and, anxiety. And, yeah. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, 2014, I was diagnosed with chronic and severe panic disorder. Okay. And, you know, the words chronic and severe sound terrible. And yeah. then the word panic doesn't sound much fun either. Yeah. So, um, I really struggled with that. My full diagnosis is bipolar <laughs> disorder one severe with psychotic features oh that's a that's that yeah yeah <laughs> i have like two commas in my in, my, in, my, in a semicolon <laughs> yeah, no, that's... yeah and so so i i totally understand that the the way 
just those words can sometimes be their own burden. You know, just yeah, having like absolutely. a word like severe attached to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, when I first heard that diagnosis, I didn't. I was like, well, this is it. I'm going to be on medication the rest of my life. I'm going to, you know, I can't go out in the public anymore. Yep. I saw my doctor wrote that I was agoraphobic on my chart. And I don't remember saying that. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe that's what he extrapolated from me having a disassociation when I'm in large groups. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's gotten better over time. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that. So I can function like a normal person most of the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, because I wonder if, and again, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze you, but I wonder if it was a, a nurture a reaction to the nurture thing more than a natural thing. Oh, I, I think, uh, I mean, I was recently thinking it was pretty interesting because I had a really close friend pass away in 2012 mm-hmm. from a drug overdose. And I have since lost another really close friend. Um, and I think that kind of made me reconcile like with my mortality. And, you yeah. know, losing losing a parent at a young age is also good well, for that. that's what I was but... thinking. <laughs> The, but, mo- the moving around, the close quarters, big house, the, all, all the things we talked about, the parents as, that got on meth when you were a teenager, like that's a lot of stress during really pivotal times of like feeling safe mm-hmm. and feeling secure and feeling independent. And so I wonder if there is that. Yeah, I didn't actually, the panic disorder didn't start until, until I was in my, my early to mid-20s. Sure. Um, but I remember getting shingles at the age of 20 from stress. So yeah. Like, yeah, it was always there. And I, I think, yeah, definitely there are reasons for it probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm glad. I can't control it. So yeah. I'm just trying to do the best I can with it. Manage it. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. Um, you know, for me, my sweet spot with managing my bipolar disorder is uh, my meds, which I'm pretty good on right now. I have a new a therapist and I have a good new therapist finally. And and then my routine. I'm a big routine-oriented guy. And so that always helps me is to... I have like a morning... Uh, something I do every morning for the first hour I'm awake. Mm-hmm. I have It's just like this is what I do every day. And it helps me kind of go on and I have an hour at the end of the day. See, but, I, I always try to do that, but I'm not... Good at sticking the to morning's a schedule. Easier than the, the morning's easier than the evening. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I'm out hanging out with friends or I'm just so tired or, you know, or I've had a couple of drinks and I'm like, screw my, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, uh, screw my routine. But when, that's my, I've, I've found that that's my sweet spot and everyone has their sweet spot. Um, anyways, uh, so I, I, I should let you go because I know you, you need to go. Um, but... I like to end these podcasts with a gratitude moment mm-hmm. where we take a chance just to think about something, to share something with each other that we're grateful for today. It can be anything. Um, yeah. Will you do that with me? Yeah. Yeah. What's something you're grateful for today, Stephen? Honestly, the weather. I had a really, <laughs> I, I had a really rough time with the winter. Dude. Um, it was the, the worst time I think I've ever had. I lived in Texas for six years, and then I came back here two yeah. years ago, and I'm still adjust. I'm still, I forget the way the seasons work mm-hmm. the rain always kind of shocks me a little like the wind and the rain there in like march and early april i'm always like but that like january february oh yeah that bite and the lack of sun and it gets me pretty good yeah it, it definitely same i remember every year i'm very excited for like the first 45 degree day yeah and then like the second 45 degree day i'm just pissed off 
<laughs> like, why isn't it 50? Because then you don't warm. Yeah, you know, you, you, want, it, you want it warmer. Yeah. So I think we're about to that point, though, where, like, I'm, the weather's good. It's going to be You're nice. You're like, chill out, chill out. Yeah, like, I'm cool <laughs> with it. I can, I can manage. I just feel a lot better in general. I, you know, I'm out taking walks again. I That's like to walk good. a lot. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm grateful for the weather. As lame as that sounds, I just... I, There's nothing with lame COVID, about that. With COVID and the weather, or, you know, and the seasonal depression, it was a lot this yeah. year. So if anyone's struggling with that, I just... There's always a better day. <laughs> yeah. What is? Are there particular summertime activities that you really like? Um. Yeah. I mean, I'll organize. We play badminton at my house a lot. Like, I'll have my family. What? Oh yeah, I love it. We did it as a joke one night. I better like, get an invite. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're always looking for more people to play with us. So I like to do that. I like to take walks and just listen to podcasts. And nice. you know, I used to listen to news. I don't do that anymore. Um, that's work. So. <laughs> uh, yes. There you go. That's good. Well. I will say my thing. I am really grateful to be back in this space. This is, I know to you it looks like a dusty garage with a ping pong table, an old ping pong table. Oh no, I love it. A couple it. broken I recliners. <laughs> but this, over the, so over the COVID time when I started, I started this in the worst time in like July <laughs> of 2020. But my wife left me in April of 2020. And so I just had to have that some kind of human like mm -hmm. come to my house. Mm -hmm. And so I set this up. And so this sport, this space is so important to me. And to be back in this is just so great. So I, I appreciate you being one of the first. I think it's cool. I've always wanted, I, I thought a podcast would always first. be a fun thing to do. So yeah. I'm, and this is, honestly is, I still see it as practice. I'm still, I had one for a while where I was just me yapping about things and then I'm doing this conversational one because I'm, I have a couple like, I think these are like, I'll pitch to companies. Mm -hmm. I, I will pitch to places, but like right now I, I feel like I'm practicing. Yeah. Um, and so I appreciate you coming and practicing no with me. I think everyone needs to be encouraged to do stuff like this. It's not, you know, it's so easy to write it off as, oh, well, I'm not going to be a millionaire doing it. So why do it? Just yeah. do it. It's good for you. It's good for you. And it's good for the community. I, I a lot of people reach out to me of like, or to, when I see them out in public, like, I love, I listen to that. People I would never expect it. The pharmacist at <laughs> CVS was like, I love that episode with Clark, who's her neighbor. And she had listened to it. And I was like, okay, great. Um, and so to give people a chance to just tell, and like, and we had just beautiful moments, like where you told us those very personal, intense things. I know, I'm starting um, to wonder if I should have said all that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're perfect, it's perfect. Uh, but those are moments where you, that are like real, and we don't, I don't think we get enough of those real moments, so thank you. You're welcome, thanks for uh, having me. All right, bye. One last piece of gratitude before we go. I want to say thanks again to our guests for being on the show and thanks y'all for listening and hopefully sharing and following along. Um, and I also want to say thanks as always to Landon Caldwell, a.k.a. Creeping Pink, for letting us use his song uh, Free Yourself as the opening track and to Derek Crownover for letting us use his piece Float as the cover image for the podcast. So thanks to everyone who has any part in this, who supports this, uh, and thank you for being here.